You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. Good morning. Welcome into the show. It is Friday. We are veering toward a holiday week. Packers season is over. The Titans greatness is just beginning, and we got a lot of stuff to unpack for you. As always, me, D-Cell, Bogish, coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. When you need cash out of your home and a simple way to get it, Rocket can. As always, phone number 855-212-4CBS. As always, Twitter, sports writer, at DCLCBS. But not as always, new, new, basket bill coming in about 35 minutes. There's an NBA team that is about to pull a con job, a scam move on you, on your belief. They're going to sell you bag of goods that ain't worth nothing over the next month, we're going to warn you not to buy into them at all. It's not the same thing as buying a company for $44 billion and worrying it's going to go out of business, but I'm just telling you, we're going to warn you off. Bum of the week's coming up, end of the show. A lot of great candidates for that. We've got a special. I don't know which way the special's going to go. If you listen to the show, and if you do, thank you. If you are here yesterday, you know that well, yesterday and for weeks, we've been asking D-Cell to put together a World Cup preview because the World Cup begins this weekend. Pretty exciting. USA, as I'm sure D-Cell knows, begins its romp toward greatness on Monday. I'll be hosting a BetQL chat on that when they play Wales. Wales of a good time at uh, 11 Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, I believe. Or maybe it's 11 a.m. Eastern. 80, I don't know. i got to figure it out. 2 p.m., 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. D-Cell just told me because he did the preview. Point is, Tom, are you excited? Good morning, buddy. Uh, World Cup preview. 20 minutes by, brought to you us by you. Good morning, Bill. Happy Friday to you. Happy and I Friday. think the way you worded it, a special World Cup preview is uh, is spot on. Can't wait. Everybody wins. Uh, everybody wins when Nick Costos comes on the show. He's going to be here in an hour. Interesting Thursday night football game. And... It somewhat annoys me when radio hosts come on and constantly say, I was right, I knew it, because those same radio hosts will rarely correct themselves. But we're going to take a little bit of a victory lap. How would you put it this morning, Diesel? I should I should get my flowers? Take your bow and get your flowers. The get Tennessee flowers. Titans are for real. Titans are legit because Mike Vrabel is legit, and they play a form of football, an old-school form of football that doesn't feel like it would translate into the modern game, but it has, it does, and it always will as long as Rabel is there. And you saw that last night in a season-defining for both teams, 27-17 victory for the Titans at Lambeau over the Green Bay Packers. It defines the Titans as a legit threat. They are a great football team. They are to be taken seriously. That is the definition of Tennessee. And even though they started, what, 0-2, we tried to tell you here on the show, I tried to tell you, don't sleep on Vrabel, the head coach. And I understand why you'd be skeptical. They are probably the best team in the NFL, not just this year, but over the last few years, with the worst quarterback on that list. And Ryan Tannehill had a good game last night, 22-27, threw a couple touchdown passes, completed almost 82% of his passes season high, but he's not a world beater. He's not even, God help me, Kirk Cousins in, in an October game, right? No, it's not, I'm not talking about you know, Kirk Cousins when the game matters. He's just a guy. 
He's just a guy. And yet, the run game behind Derrick Henry, another really big night on the ground. The defense for the Titans, that, and everybody, every team, every team that's a contender at some point, other than maybe the Chiefs, we talk about how good that defense is. But the Titans can actually go in and shut teams down. And then I think the stat that speaks to Vrabel's ability to get the most out of what he's got. And on offense, it's not as much as the other contenders. And they're a contender. And in that run game, they're the second best red zone offense in the National Football League. And so when they get an opportunity to score points, brief though those opportunities may be, they take advantage of that. 27 points last night against that Packers team is, the, is a season high for the Titans. They're not going to beat anybody 50-burger or 40-burger or even 35-point appetizer to anything. It's not a burger if it's only 30-point, more of an appetizer. But a hell of a game and a hell of a performance. And I wanted to start with just giving those guys, that organization, that team some credit. It's a big win. We've told you here that the Titans are good. We told you not to sleep on that football team. They now have the second largest division league in the National Football League behind the Vikings. Very sizable lead on everybody. Another reminder that as much as that win at Lambeau in the cold defines the Titans as a really good football team, it also defines the Packers of, uh, as what we thought they were. Danny Green got it right. They were who we thought they were. Only the Titans did not let them off the hook. That is a bad football team. It's a bad football team. And at 4-7, and seven, Aaron Rodgers can say all he wants, we've got six games, let's see if we can win them. You can't win them. You won't win them. They have a brutal schedule going forward. The only games on that schedule where they're going to be favorites are against the Bears. I assume they'll be favorites. Games in Chicago. And the last game of the year, which won't mean much, almost certainly, against the Detroit Lions. The games that are lined up now, the games that are coming up that will give the Packers whatever fleeting hope there is before it's squashed are difficult football games. And what they don't have is a defense that was capable of holding a okay offensive team in the Titans to enough points they were in that game. What they didn't have last night was a run game, which had been really effective two of the three previous games. And this is the most important thing. What they don't have is a quarterback in Aaron Rodgers who can step up and take on the weight of an okay defense, take on the weight of lesser receiving options. We've talked about this nonstop this year. Take on the weight of a of a run game that was off last night, wasn't able to be quite as effective. He's not able to take on the weight of everything that's going on in Green Bay. And that's on Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is the guy who has retired and I'm retired 31 times. Aaron Rodgers is the guy who flirted with Jeopardy and played with the emotional well-being of his organization. Aaron Rodgers is the guy who passively and not so passively, but always publicly, went after the power structure within that organization. Aaron Rodgers is the guy who wouldn't show up for OTAs to work with a young receiving core that clearly needs the work, but had no problem throwing them under the bus. Aaron Rodgers is the guy who constantly goes on another radio show with his buddy who asks nothing but softball sycophantic questions and just soliloquies nonstop about his own brilliance while his own team is flailing, Aaron Rodgers is accountable. And and the reality is, the fact is, that greatness, history, what you've done in the past, does not in any way guarantee excellence in the present or the future. It's the best part about sports. 
you're an author, you write a bunch of really good books, they're amazing, I'm talking about John Irving, then you write a bunch of books that are garbage, a little harsh, New York Times bestseller. You're a politician, you accomplish some things at the local or state level, you get elected, yay, I'm a senator, you got a real chance to be elected for life, even if you stop showing up for work. You're some radio host who uses his last name as a grammatically incorrect way to say I'm smarter than everybody else. Maybe you were really good back in the day, but if you get lazy, I don't know. Not, I'm, not, I'm not giving specific examples. You're a really good producer, but you won't watch soccer. And you just ignore assignments. You can get away with that. You can in sports. They measure you. You are evaluated by your results every single outing. Obviously, in football, it's every week during the season. Aaron Rodgers ain't the guy Aaron Rodgers used to be because Bill Parcells was right. It's scoreboard. And he's not taking the podium after these games with accountability. He's subtly and not so subtly throwing guys under the bus. That's not leadership. That's not going to produce a successful response from his football team. I know that there's probably, not probably, I understand there's a fair narrative that there's not enough weapons for him. Can we remind the world that we told you on the show, Rodgers was always going if to, he, if he took the money that he took, which he's entitled to, they were never going to be able to afford Devontae Adams. Those are connected. Rea- Devontae Adams being miserable in Vegas with the Raiders is connected to Aaron Rodgers doing what he has every right to do, and that's taking all the money he can take. But not everybody does it. There's a correlation. Aaron Rodgers is responsible for a lot of the issues here. But beyond the fact he doesn't have Devontae Adams to throw the football to, beyond the fact that the run game's unreliable, the reality is Aaron Rodgers played badly yesterday. I don't think it's much of an exaggeration to say he looked like some hot garbage. And if you listen to the answer here, if you listen to Rodgers talk about what went down and was the offense lackluster or not, there is to me, again, the very clear tone of a quarterback throwing shade at other people. As you guys know and have talked about, we need to run the football effectively to win. And didn't do that today. So I had to find a way schematically or otherwise to uh, run it effectively. And when we got opportunities one-on-ones, we had win one-on-ones. I got to throw the ball better than I did tonight. There's not a lot of margin for error for us and definitely not when a a team is stout but gives you some opportunities uh, Got to hit on those plays. Let me break it down for you in case you missed it. I understand. It's not so subtle. Not subtle to the guys in that locker room. Three times he threw other people under the bus, but I have to decode it a little bit. Um, running the ball, he said schematically or otherwise. Well, schematically is coaching. You can circle that and you can write, Mr. LaFleur sucks. Schematically is the decision-making, the X's and O's, the tactical decision-making that other people that other people come up with. That's Aaron Rodgers saying that wasn't a very good game plan. Otherwise, run the ball otherwise. That's the running backs and or the offensive line that Aaron Rodgers throwing under the bus. Otherwise means I wish we had better, I guess, better running backs. And my favorite was we don't have a lot of margin for error. That's Aaron Rodgers saying our team sucks and I have to do everything. Okay, cool, fine. But you sucked too in that game. You were ineffective. You didn't play particularly well. You didn't just miss the electricity that Aaron Rodgers has come to define his greatness by where you just insert some level of, some, some moment of greatness to turn a game around. He missed average throws at times. And, and to be fair, I don't know if it's to be fair because somebody asked him, he did address the fact that Aaron Rodgers, the guy who just said he has no margin for error, the team has no margin for error. Translation, the team's not very good. Aaron Rodgers 
was forced to answer a question about the fact that he did not step up into that void he's pointing toward. You said after Sunday that you put the ball exactly where you wanted to pretty much on every throw. Yeah. What was the difference then tonight? Conditions, thumb, just not in what? I couldn't tell you point to one thing. Uh, I'm not going to make excuses about my thumb. It's been the same since New York. Um, I don't know. I got to go back and look at it. I felt like fundamentally I was, you know, in a good spot, um, but just didn't have the same type of uh, consistent grip and and ball coming out the same way. I threw a lot of kind of wobblers tonight, so um, there was some wind, but uh, just missed a few throws I should have had. I mean, definitely the one to Sammy and and the one to Allen for sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. I have to look at the tape, but my thumb in the wind definitely did it. Okay, cool. Good uh, good story. Uh, there's another clip I'm not going to play for you because it, it's hard to understand. And actually, you can kind of get it on Twitter, so you might do that while Twitter's still around. Apparently, it's got like 30 seconds left or three hours. I don't know. It's dying, I guess. R.I.P. 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 Twitter. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Where a reporter goes, where do you go from here? And it's obviously implied as a football team. And Aaron Rodgers goes, home. Oh, yeah, you're real smart. You you got him. You tricked him. The misery came out. It is a season-defining football game for both of those teams because it defines them as they are. The Titans are a great football team. They're a legit football team without much of a quarterback. And the Packers are a bad football team despite and because of their all-time great quarterback, the NFL man. It's as crazy as thunder snow. You never know what's going to happen. 855-212-4CBS. Oh, we have a lot of stuff to get to in the next segment. D-Cell's got a um, World Cup party explainer extravaganza. Pretty exciting. Thunder snow. Forced uh, football game somewhere else. And uh, Twitter's going to die. And we got to figure out what that, what that means. The little birdie can't fly. It's all coming up next here on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. All right, welcome back into the show. Bill Ryder with you on this Friday. The NFL has moved Sunday's Buffalo game out of Buffalo to Detroit. Reinforcing the fallacy that D-Cell put an email today to every, hey, football's, snow is not football weather, is one of the, one of the most, one of the wrongerest things I've ever heard there, Diesel. Ever. It's never football weather now. Anything past flurries is not football weather. Yeah, this is a flurry of dumb stuff coming at us is what we got going on. You guys and your well played. softness. Huh? We don't live in the Middle East. We don't live in South America. We're not all in Miami or Arizona. There's weather spread across parts of this fine country. Snow is football weather, bro. Not when it impacts the outcome of a game, though. Yeah, I don't is. want the yeah, weather to decide who wins and who loses. I want the players to do that. Sports are a metaphor for life in the world, and life in the world can't avoid Mother Nature. It's a real thing. I'm not saying they should go play it in a hurricane. I'm not saying they should time it around an earthquake. But when it snows... When you're getting up to six feet of snow, you you've got to move the game. I don't mind them moving the game, but you're, you're taking that to it should never be... In, I can read you... To quote um, a few good men, I can read you the uh, transcript if you want. I don't need it read back to me like I'm some kind of child. I can read you your t- your email was 
football is snow is never football weather. I stand by that. Twitter's dying, apparently. You follow that? I got on the old... I found it very ironic that I followed the uh, demise of Twitter and that the top trending story in the world last night on Twitter, trending topic, was RIP, rest in peace Twitter, and I was following it all on Twitter. Apparently, Mr. Elon Musk, who we made bum of the week last week, looking fairly prescient, uh, bought Twitter for $44 billion, laid off half the staff, told the other half, you got to stick around and work hardcore hours, high-intensity hours, you're out of here, just leave, and a bunch of them decided it looks like to leave. And now there's all these reports, I don't think about how Twitter works, that uh, critical infrastructure and employees who make the thing go aren't around. And like a mall that slowly goes decrepit until it breaks down, Twitter ain't going to be around. And can I just be honest with you and, and, and Bogish, who is literally walking around because he's so upset about Twitter, I hope it comes to a, a burning, I hope it I hope it's, it's set on fire and it vanishes from the face of the earth. Whoa, 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 whoa. Go away, Twitter. Twitter is a vehicle that we use on this show. Not only yeah. for information, but to connect with our audience. So was my 1986 Toyota Tercel, but when it served its purpose, it was time to go, buddy. That sunroof was magical, and we once fit 13 people in, it in Dubuque, Iowa. But doesn't mean it was a good idea, or looking back, I'm glad that I drove it, or would drive it today. Listen, I don't love everything about Twitter, but it serves a purpose for me. Yeah, toxifying America and making fake tough guys yellow chip. I hate Twitter. I loathe it with a burning passion. Follow me though at SportsWriter, Sports R E I T R. <laughs> I mean, I am. Um, I'm not on the. I'm not. Is it now? You guys are cool. Is it the Insta, or or can you even call it? You know, the Gram. Uh, I think it's, it's more the Gram right now, but I am not on Instagram whatsoever. I think Bogus Bogus is on the Gram. Yeah, Bogey, you're on the Gram. I'm on. Uh, I call it Insta. I think everyone does. So uh, I'm on it, whatever it's called. I am there. Um. I wish I had the fancy blue check mark there that I have on Twitter, but you got I don't. the fancy blue sweater. Yeah, a little Boise State hoodie going on today. Could I? Can, can we consume news on there? On Instagram? Yeah. Uh, not yet. Not in the way you can with Twitter. I mean, once Twitter is no longer here, maybe we can. Yeah, Twitter. I I'm not sure. I believe that it's actually going to go away, but people smarter than me. Reading the coverage at Axios and the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times, and I don't even know what the Verge is, but I guess the Ver- the Verge, it sure sounds like there are important people who have left Twitter who think there's a chance it's going to crash and burn, like many have predicted for this upcoming World Cup preview. Uh, did you know, Bogus, that, that today is the day that Diesel does his World Cup preview? He um, walks us through it. This is why I'm here today. All right. Do we have music for it, or how do I just do the open? Like, what's the Sucker! kind of... what? Sucker! Oh, you do. You do have an open. Oh, you do have music. And now, brought to you by the world's biggest sucker, expert and fan, it's Tom DeCelestino's World Cup party explainer extravaganza. Sucker! Is this the Qatar National Anthem? The Qatari National Anthem? What is this song? Uh, I kind of just tried to find pump-up music. Oh. Okay. I wish that I would asked us to bring Budweiser so I could ban you drinking it during the segment. All right, as you guys know, as you guys know, I did plenty of research here. Let's start right with the basics. How does this thing work? The mechanics of the World Cup. The first round, the group stage. 32 teams, eight groups of four. You will play everyone in your group once. Three points for a win, one point for a draw. Bogus, a draw is a tie. Thank you. All right. Two teams advance from each group. The top two teams 
That leaves us with 16 because I'm a math wizard. After that, we are now in single elimination, a.k.a. the knockout stage. There it is. Hold on, hold on, real quick. Can I ask questions? So how does the how do you determine who advances from the group stage? Uh, by who has the most points. How, what's the point breakdown? Uh, you get three points for a win and one point okay. for a draw. Yeah. You should listen closer. I already heard that. Oh, I missed you. You, said you, that get, was, that was... you get one point for not listening. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. So are, are we good on yeah, how we're the, in the, knockout the, stage, the mechanics this thing works? Yeah. Right, I'm sorry. I tried to trip you up. You're, you're there. All right. Single elimination down to 16 teams. That's pretty much what I got for the mechanics of the World Cup. So we have 16 winners? No, single el- elimination now. Oh, starting at 16. Right. Then eight. And you need to listen. And then need four. To listen. Then two. Then a winner. You got it. Got God it. gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason, Bogish. Okay. All right. Now, as I see it through my research, Brazil and France, <laughs> the heavy favorites to win this thing. When you say your research, you mean your film study or reading others' These are my World Cup favorite columns. Uh, let's go with both. Both of those things. Okay. Brazil God. and France. Now, Team USA, we are in Group B with England, Wales, and Iran. I Wait. think, I think Team USA can get out of the group stage. I do, too. Bogus looks hesitant to agree with us. I do, too. I didn't know it was a a, a panel. I'm sorry. Now, do I'm going to... I'm gonna, I'm gonna, Pose you guys a question. Do either of you think we can win our group? Yes. Yes, yes I do. I thought you were going to say the World Cup, at which one I was going to I was going to laugh at, at the hopes and dreams of a country. Yes, I think we can. Bogish or Andrew, either of you, are either of you worried about a ridiculous historic letdown again against Iran? Because Iran beat us last time, but it feels like this is by far the most talented squad we've ever had. I think it's – I hate to use the word lock – well, I think I think we should beat around four to one. It's it's not a lock, but they should get out of the group stage, and it would be a disappointment if they don't. But Iran's the last of the three games. They got to do Wales and England first. So that Iran game, depending on how the first two go, might right. not mean anything. It starts. It's almost like a one game tourney. If they beat Wales on Monday, then they're off and running. But if they lose yep. that game, then they're in super danger of not getting out. And in England on Friday, I'll be hosting BetQL chats for both those games, by the way, which Bogish and Diesel will definitely be in, especially on Friday. Agreed. I'm sorry, Tom. All right, I'm going to close out my preview by giving you a player to watch for who I think could win the golden ball, who you gentlemen both know is basically the MVP of the World Cup. I guess I'm wrong. I thought it was Golden Boot. I, I, I was going to be my follow-up. I thought it was the Golden Boot. For the most goals scored? Is that, is there, are we thinking two different things? Is there a Golden Ball and a Golden Boot? We might be talking about two different things. Or the same thing, and then I have it wrong. Because there is an award for just scoring the most goals. I, mean, uh, I think I, I have, I'm looking at, like, most outstanding player. Sure. Uh, I'm going to go with Mbappe from France. As I alluded to, they are the favorites to win this thing. You would think that Mbappe would have to have a big World Cup in order to do that. Uh, Bayern. I'm sorry. Go ahead. What is what is Mbappe's last name? Isn't Mbappe his last name? Yes. Yeah. Good. What's Got his first you. name? Uh, Killian. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Come on. What just happened? 
Uh, and that's my World Cup 2022 preview. Can you name a second player in the World Cup? Not a, just any country, any player without your nose. We're on the French national team. Who you really like? What uh, your favorite player, if I'm not mistaken, Bill uh, Messi? He, he's in Argentina. So a few thoughts here. Um, Brazil and France are are the favorites. I do not think France will win. I think there's too much drama, and I think Mbappe's a little Mbappe's a little baby man. Um, and I can't stand Benzema. So I'm hoping there's some karma. I really, I would love guys. Argentina to we lose the music. Argentina to win this thing for Messi, and they've certainly got a chance. Um, I think Spain is really interesting. If some of the guys at the front line could score, Ansu Fati, as you know, young prodigy was injured for Barcelona, but made the squad last minute, scored in a friendly yesterday, which is a really good sign for him. I think, in terms of dark horses, I think Serbia and Uruguay are both really, really interesting teams. I think Germany is going to be underwhelming. And I think England is the Lakers of, of of international soccer, where they're never as good as people pretend they are because there's so many English-language fans who follow England. I think England is a heaping pile of overratedness. Wow. So give me, yeah. Portugal's also finished because of Ronaldo. Portugal, Ronaldo did this interview, and his whole team hates him now, and it's all drama. So I kind of like Brazil, Argentina... Spain is a dark horse kind of a vibe. Maybe am I crazy to think Denmark could make a deep run? Well, you've got three South American teams on your list, huh? Brazil, yeah. Argentina, and Uruguay. Uruguay is kind of my uh, dark horse. Like if Uruguay, I think if they win their group and Serbia finishes second, they they play each other. If I remember right, the way that would be stacked. So I like both those teams to upset somebody, but obviously they play each other. But, yeah, I would take Uruguay potentially. I think Germany's basic. And so I would take, because that's the way it would probably fall, I would take Uruguay potentially in an upset over Germany. And then they would get smoked by somebody like 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 Denmark. Uruguay, the 12th best odds to win the whole thing. Do they? All right. I'm a big fan of your, of your use of basic there. <laughs> I, just think they're, I think Germany's basic. Yeah, I love Spain. I watch a lot of league. You you got any you got any any dog in this hunt? Um, Bogish? No, no. I mean, I I have not done the film study that okay. Diesel has, so I would feel I feel incomplete and unqualified to join this conversation. The Netherlands are talented. I don't think they have an amazing coach, and I'm not sure how healthy Memphis Depay is going to be, who's a big part of their scoring. But they're talented. I. I would love Argentina to win. I would love to see Messi get you know get a World Cup on his way out. This is his last one, easily. Can I ask you both a basic question? You're, neither of you are going to like this question. How are you guys going to split up on Sunday when the World Cup starts, NFL viewing and World Cup viewing? Well, as I'm sure you know, and I know it's a trick question because you're on this, there's only a single game, I believe, on Sunday. It's host country... Qatar versus, I don't know, an African country maybe? Hold on. I got the groups in front of me right Senegal? now. Is it Senegal? No, it's not. Um, well, their group is Ecuador, Senegal, and Netherlands. It might be Senegal then, who lost Sadio Mane. So, right. And they moved, remember, wa- they, they moved that game up. They, they changed it, the date of that game relatively yep. recently. But, yeah, I, so I'm not going to make an effort to watch that game. 
8 a.m., right? 8 a.m. my time? I doubt you. yours? You're, I got I nothing think so. for you. If it's 8 a.m. Pacific time, I will get up and watch it. The difficulty for me is going to be, do I get up on the weekends for 5 a.m. games, and do I stay up, because I'm on West Coast time, till 2 a.m.? I, I, I can't during the weekday. I'm working, but I might get up. I mean, during the holiday, I might. I might try to watch all of it, just sleep during the day. Is that crazy? Mm. Uh, it is Qatar and Ecuador on Sunday, 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. I will get up and I will watch, even though it's going to be Ecuador 31, Qatar 0. Hmm. I'm going to watch that game. I'm, I'm into it, man. And I think there's absolute reason to criticize Qatar is not the right host country. It's not the right place to be. A lot going I, on already. I know the beer thing. Yeah, they've um they've moved on to the not asking permission stage of stage of things. Can I just give you guys really quick a hot soccer take and then we can then we can move on to some basket bill? I find Christian Pulisic to be remarkably un- unlikable. Like I want him to do well. I'll be cheering for him. I love the US men's national team and how young they are. Do not I do not like Pulisic. I just you know don't like him. Well, hopefully he plays a lot of good football in a couple of weeks, and that'll change your opinion of him. I don't think it will. I mean, look, I can root for someone that I'm just—I'm not a big—I'm not a big Pulisic fan. I think he's a little bit of a—I think he's a little bit of a diva. I think he's a little bit of a diva. Diesel, real, real quick thought. I went to type in your name today on Twitter, and I typed in Diesel. And do you know what I actually put in there? And I did delete. And what comes up when you type in Diesel? Uh, I don't know if I want to know. Yeah. Decker, Brooklyn Decker. Oh, that's not me at all. Nope. Very, very similar vibes. Great job on the World Cup preview from D-Cell. Uh, our new segment from yesterday, Basket Bill. NBA take every day is coming up. We've got a team that's going to make a run very soon. That's a farce. We're going to warn you off of believing in these guys after we get a CBS Sports Radio update from Andrew Bogish. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. This season, for the first time, you can hear every Westwood NFL broadcast stream live for free Mondays, Thursdays, Sunday nights, the International Series, holiday triple headers, and every postseason game. Catch all the action on the Odyssey app on westwoodonesports.com via Westwood One station streams or by asking Alexa to open Westwood One Sports, all sponsored by AutoZone. Free AutoZone fixed finder service can help troubleshoot the likely cause of your pesky check engine light for free. And get you back on the road. Restrictions apply. Get in the zone. Auto zone. What's up, Diesel? It's a fast week today. We're already at Friday. This week flew by. I'm only working next week, Monday, Tuesday. I'm going to be off Wednesday, Thursday, Friday next week. You'll be here Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Is that right? That is correct. I will be here on Wednesday with Carrington Harrison. Filling Kansas in for you. City. Yep, yeah, yep. I used to listen to Carrington when I was living in Kansas City, Missouri, back in my Kansas City star days. Very talented dude, good dude. What days next week, if any, is Mr. Bogish flitting about our world? I believe you and Mr. Bogish have the same exact schedule next week. Oh, best friends. Best friends. Um, We've got a segment that we've, we've introduced. We're going to do it most days. It is a take of varying... Length on what we like to call the National Basketball Association. It is time for Basket Bill. Bill Ryder has the NBA takes you need to hear. This is Basket Bill. 
Man, things are trending up for the Brooklyn Nets. Kevin Durant's a stud. He's saying nice things. You'll hear it in a second about Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons had a great game last night. First double-double in 600 days. Kyrie Irving, putting aside the fact that I don't think he should be there, talking just basketball stuff. Going to be on the floor starting Sunday. They won a big game against Portland last night. And it's all going to add up to a stinking, heaping pile of letdown. Don't fall for it. It's not real. It's a con artist. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Shame on you if you fall for the Brooklyn Nets. Okie dokie, we're talented and we're going to be good this time. Lie. It's a lie. Look, Durant's a stud and a star. We know that. I don't even get into the details. You know how good this guy is talent-wise. I know Kyrie Irving can hoop, and I know Ben Simmons last night had, what, 15 points, 12 rebounds, 7 assists. Not only that, he was 6-6 from the field. It's not like he did it by taking 20 shots and crying his way through the third quarter. He looked confident. He played good defense. He ran the offense for stretches. And maybe the most insane thing of all, he provoked from Kevin Durant an actual compliment of someone on his team who's not Kyrie Irving. Incredible. Incredible. I mean... Just happy for him because, you know, he's been trying to get his form back, trying to figure his rhythm out. And tonight, I think he did a good job of just talking up, commanding the offense, commanding the team on the defensive side of the ball. Just, you know, he was he was incredible tonight. So we want to keep building on that. And, um, you know, hopefully we uh, we get this next one. But he, he controlled the game and was able to get us back into it. I mean, I mean, that was... I, I, to be honest, we had no doubts when he walked up there. You know, I, I felt like we all were confident. Just, to, just the way the game was flowing and just how he was playing, everybody felt this energy um, to start the game. So I, I felt super confident when he went up there. And so three for four, crunch time like that—that that was that was that was key for us. We needed those. Even hit those free throws. KD was talking about. Here's the problem: this team, as a group, Durant, Irving, Simmons as a trifecta, and each of those guys individually, Kevin Durant by himself, Kyrie Irving by himself, Ben Simmons by himself, are feckless, weak, thin-skinned, a mile wide of talent, but only a centimeter deep, posers, for lack of a better term, whose talent and greatness has never together and will never together win a single thing. It's not a hot take. It's not me being angry. I like Kevin Durant and I'm annoyed by the way that he throws guys under the bus. I root for Ben Simmons and love that he played great last night. I don't want to see anyone fail, but especially in the fashion and form we've seen over the last year and a half from Simmons. And I don't think Kyrie Irving deserves my time or attention or the money the fans pay. Not a fan of his whatsoever. None of that has anything to do with the fact these guys aren't going to win a single thing. They will buckle when the going gets tough. I mean, think about this. Kyrie Irving's a guy who can't even answer the question, are you anti-Semitic properly? Who doesn't show up for games randomly in the past. And I'm not talking the COVID shot. I'm talking his January vacation a couple seasons ago. Who literally makes his team worse. I'm not going to break down every stat, but I've gone over this again and again on the air. Every team since Cleveland, and there's a LeBron James exception, that means that doesn't count. Literally every team, every incarnation of the Celtics teams that he played for and the Nets teams he played for, pre- and post-Durant, every one of them literally have a better record when he's not on the floor than when he is. 
including right now. They're five and three since he got suspended. What are they right now? Seven and nine? They were two and six when he's playing with them. They've been over five hundred since he left. The guy is this talented, remarkable shooting star, incredible handle, electric locker room cancer. Always has been. Kevin Durant's never been able, despite his massive talent, to be the best player on a championship team. He's more talented, Durant, than Steph Curry. He's more talented than everybody. Not named Jordan or Magic or LeBron. It doesn't matter. You have to have something more, something else. And not only do we not have to guess he doesn't have it, his stupid Twitter beefs and his, everyone's, I'm mad at everybody. He just threw his whole team under the bus a few days ago. All of that tells the tale. And that's before we get to poor Ben Simmons. You can make the argument. It's wrong. I'm trying to warn you off it. Don't be fooled. They're going to make some run in January or December. going to win, I don't know, 15 to 18 games. Oh, the Nets are amazing. They're not. It's a lie. It's a farce. Don't fall for it. And that you're going to hear. I've already heard it. Well, well, you got Simmons in the mix and his defense, and then Kyrie's there and it takes the pro. All three of them can do it. You think Ben Simmons in the pressure of a first-round playoff game is going to be able to just be like, I'm good. He's going to crack. He's going to fold. He's going to break. I don't root for it. It's going to be a slow-motion national television postseason basketball breakdown. It's coming. It's a guarantee. One game last night doesn't change what he's going to be when it's the playoffs, and neither do 15 if that's what happens over the next 15 or 20 or 50 games. Kyrie Irving's a loser. He's a loser. That's what it is. I can give you the stats. I got columns. Go to my archive at CBSSports.com. You're a jerk. No, literally, when he plays, teams lose. When he doesn't play, teams win. That makes him a loser. I play a lot of tennis, but I'm bad at doubles. Do you know what happens when I go into the doubles thing? Those guys lose. My part, why well, I'm a loser when it comes to doubles, sometimes, usually. Not as much as Kyrie. And Kevin Durant's amazing, but he can't carry the weight of a normal team. Hell, he couldn't handle the weight of an amazing team with Golden State because it hurt his fragile little ego. You think he's going to carry the weight of Ben Simmons' emotional? Kevin Durant was a real babysit three weeks ago, Ben Simmons. Now it's all we had no doubts. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Don't let the Nets fool you. They're talented. They're going to have flashes of greatness. They're going to look good at times. They're a lie. They're a farce. They're a absolute heaping pile of con artist basketball illusion. Didn't know where to go with that. Pull a little bit of Kevin Durant. Don't fall for it. That's it. That's my take. Don't fall for it. You fell for it a couple years ago, D-Cell, remember? Uh, Yes, when it was James Harden, Kyrie, and Kevin Durant, I thought they needed two of those three stars to win a championship. Let let me ask you a question. A little science, a little science. Not sucker, science. The way that immunity works, you know, like vaccines, but just in the real world, is you get a little bit of the disease, but your body fights it off. And the next time the disease comes, you're like, oh, I've seen this story. Not going to work. Do you feel like you have some immunity from the from the con job the Nets are going to be selling. So I didn't even give into the fact that Jack Vaughn career record as a coach is like two and five hundred and thirty six. That's not exactly <laughs> accurate, but it looks like it. Do you feel do you feel cured, or do you think you're susceptible to the Nets uh, okie dokie again? Uh, I feel cured. Uh, they are not the Dallas Cowboys. I will be not fooled again and again and again and again. Uh, I am not going to buy into the Brooklyn Nets this season. The only thing that would be better than the current slow-motion car wreck this organization is going to go through would be if Doc Rivers were their coach. I know it can't happen because <laughs> Doc Rivers broke Ben Simmons, but it would be absolutely amazing. It's not going to work. 
That's the other thing about Kyrie that drives me crazy. I don't think he belongs back on the floor. That is certainly my position, and I would defend it strongly. But it is not it is not a sure thing. There's a lot of ways to view him. I could be misreading his ability to actually have regret for what he said, and I think the damage he did. Okay, there's my piece on that. I've said it a lot. I just said it again. Putting that aside, I just don't think he's worth it. I don't... He's literally... And by literally, I mean actually the word literally, a net negative with, with, with every team he plays for. He's just not as talented. I'm sorry. He's not as successful as he is talented. He is impactful, but not in the ways that you would think that talent would bring about. Don't do it. Don't give your heart to this team. Don't believe in them. Evan Roberts is a super, super talented um, radio host on WFAN. Carton and Evan. Carton Evan, Carton Roberts. Carton Evan? Uh, Carton and Roberts. I should know that. I think he's a massively talented radio host. He's a huge, huge Nets fan. Is he, do you even know? Is he like, is he, I, I, I don't even know him that well, but I want to send him a note that just as a public service announcement, Evan, for, as one radio host to a very talented one, protect yourself emotionally here. She's, you know, she's going to break your heart again. Uh, he walks around these hallways very, very sad. He knows the inevitable is coming. Okay. The sadness is good. It's good. It's kind of good to know where you live. Um, you know what doesn't make me sad? You know what the opposite of sad is, Diesel? It's exuberant happiness. Two things bring me that on this show. One, you. Just in general, you're awesome. Two, Nick Costos being on the program. That's happening next. Our Odyssey Gambling Insider joins us in a moment to help us make some money on CBS Sports Radio. 